Welcome to the Movie Business Podcast, picking up where movie business book left off. I'm Jason Squire, hosting a wide range of industry talent and executives to answer fundamental questions about the business today. Here we go. And today we're going to cover the secrets of box office analysis with David A. Gross, who's the creator of Franchise Re, the free weekly box office newsletter that arrives in your inbox at 2 a.m. Pacific Sundays. He built a proprietary database covering box office performance of over 3,700 wide-release movies since 1997 and began sharing his thoughts with a few colleagues, friends, and press based on his 35 years of experience in the theatrical movie business. They liked the independent and objective approach, and Franchise Re was launched in 2022. Welcome, David. Hi, Jason. Thank you for being here. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So let's dive right in. What are the secrets of box office analysis? I'd say open-mindedness and flexibility. Um, There's so much change going on. You know, the pandemic, and now we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, it's, a, it's a new world. Tastes have evolved during that time. It's four years. That's a long time. The world, the, the, the country is in a different place in terms of the context of movie going and, and taste. And every weekend that I look at the numbers and the lineup and the results is a new, you know, there are new ideas. There's new patterns. That's what I look at. I look at histories and patterns and genres and performers and directors. And, you know, the business is always looking carefully at these things to, to learn as much as everybody can learn from it to guide choices and green lighting and and development of ideas and stories. And it's a fascinating and dynamic time right now. So I'd have to say staying open-minded and staying flexible is key right now because it's, uh, it's all dynamic. It's all happening right now. You know, that's such an important word that just to emphasize that the distribution part of theatrical is so much more dynamic, as you say, and it's always changeable. And this is after years and years of a kind of low-key, similar box office release of bigger movies compared to independent-style movies that was kind of regular as far as audience expectations as well. Now all bets are off with different levels of windows, a different duration of windows, and of course the streaming impact, distributors deciding during the uh, pandemic whether to open day and date with streaming that seemed like it was not such a great idea in retrospect, making it more exciting to follow. Isn't that right? Absolutely. You know, many, many moving parts. The rise of streaming, as you say, was, was huge. It was the story in the, in the middle of the pandemic, and then as you also mentioned, uh, as the pandemic subsided and theatrical movie going revived, now that's not the best strategy, as the studios have learned. But but we're we're still left in a different world. It's not back to business as usual. There are all kinds of of new factors and genres have changed. I think we're all talking about where superhero movies are going to go, where they are. That was just the dominant genre for 15 years. And they they have really stumbled in the last 
12 months and there's some important movies coming up in 2024 and we'll see how that goes but there's an example of a, a shift in taste that's just uh, monumental that was the that was a pillar of commercial movie going of the of the studio success and we've seen change with that in this last summer with Barbie and Oppenheimer Sound of Freedom and been in the fall Taylor Swift also very new stories new ideas new style and uh, that's also a, a, you know an example of this kind of change so yes lots of lots of things going on and lots of new patterns and ideas it is uh we're in the aftermath of this four-year period, as you say, of not only COVID closing theaters, but also the half-year-long strike on the part of the guilds, which end in a, in a righteous way, but dragged on far, far too long. And the bright spot in the summer, just to sort of uh, repeat for emphasis what you've mentioned about the original movies, Oppenheimer and Barbie and uh, some of the others all giving, I think, a breath of fresh air and faith on the part of moviegoers and the executives. Absolutely. It was, a, it was a fantastic summer. And for the reasons you're saying, coming out of the pandemic and the strike. But the strike then clipped just... At, Barbie and Oppenheimer got out just in time. The problem, of course, with the actor strike was the actors then, during the strike, we're not going to be able to support the movies by making appearances and doing PR and Q&As and screenings and so forth. And that is hugely important. That is, you know, a fundamental part of the marketing machinery. And fortunately, Barbie and Oppenheimer got out just in time. They had videotaped and recorded a lot of materials. They were able to put fantastic campaigns together. They were not really touched by any of the problems. But then we went into that second funk after the pandemic through the fall and until the strikes, the second strike was settled, I believe, in early November. And that right. took the wind out of the sails again. And I'd say now we're really headed in the right direction and there should be certainly labor peace, but it hurt and it hurt after coming out of the pandemic, which beat up the business the first time. So great summer and it proved so many important things. You, you know, you mentioned these were original ideas, stories, these were original films, and breath of fresh air, and that's what the industry likes, and that's what moviegoers like. So wonderful outcome in the summer, and now it's time to build on that and, and get that momentum back. Right. Now, there's another secret of box office analysis having to do with the amount of box office gross that goes back to the financier distributor, that only about 50%, give or take, of North American gross is returned to the financier distributor, 50% remains at the theater level. So take, for example, a movie that might cost $100 million to produce, and the movie grosses $200 million at the global box office. It's far from breaking even. Approximately half of that gross, maybe less because it's global, or let's say $100 million goes back to the financier distributor, which then deducts its marketing and other costs. So it'll take more box office gross plus years of ancillary revenue from home entertainment, television, and streaming to eventually break even, if at all. So it's not the kind of growth business that some may think it is. You know, all true. You're right about your numbers. I mean, on average, half of the what you hear of the gross 
both in North America and internationally goes back to the distributor or producer, the studios. By the way, China, which has had a lot of attention and focus, which has really deteriorated for American Western movies, was the one glaring exception to this. They would only give 25% right. of the box office to the distributor. That was a colossal market for a long time. And for a lot of reasons, that market has, has shrunk dramatically. You know, there was government involvement. They really wanted to develop their own industry. There was some Chinese-style propaganda to degrade Western movies. And so Western movies now make far little, a fraction of what they did. But it's less of a loss than it looks on the surface because really the Western distributors were only collecting 25%. But everything else that you mentioned holds for all the other markets, about half. And so on the surface, when you look at the box office numbers and you hear about the budgets for the movie, it looks a lot tighter. And there are a lot of situations where you think, gosh, there's just no way that movie is going to break even because marketing costs are enormous right. and the studios are very good at it and they don't skimp. But I, I do want to I do want to say this. I think that the ancillary businesses, which are much more difficult to quantify and, and analyze because it's really in nobody's interest to speak openly and to share numbers. But some people get into it and they, they can make estimates, but they are very healthy and they're healthier than ever. And this last five years, the rise of streaming, when you hear about, they added seven more million subscribers and they're expanding here and they're blowing up in a good way over there. That eventually flows back to the distributors when they license the movies to these streamers. And then there's digital downloading and sales. There's pay TV, there's free TV. Those are very healthy markets. And I think they are growing. I think that there's a lot of compensation for the struggle that theatrical has had. And we'll see where it is in two or three years when we're really behind all these problems. Right. But I think the ancillary markets are healthier than we can know, than I can know. I don't look at box office share and participation sheets, so I don't have direct knowledge. But when I do look at some of the bigger and more educated estimates, I think they're really colossal. And I think that there are movies that on the surface that, that you just think, my gosh, they must have lost tens of millions of dollars, where I think they're making tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars in ancillary. So mm -hmm. I, I just want to point that out, that yeah. theatrical is struggling, no doubt, but ancillary is very healthy and growing. Great. Well, thanks for, for pointing that out. And now let's go further behind the curtain. Can you summarize your weekly process? Sure. In, in 2018 and 2019, I put together a database. My career and background is movie marketing, theatrical at the studios. I was an executive for many years. And I had been thinking about movies in a different way. And I uh, have some people that I work with that crunch numbers for me and put things into databases. So I built a database, as you mentioned in the beginning, of 3,700 wide release films. And I organized them in a way that I, I hadn't seen, which is to separate the franchise series movies from the original single episode movies, all wide releases on a thousand screens or more. But I pulled them apart. And as it turned out, these franchise series movies, they represent 80 percent of the box office. They are the dominant movies. These are the giant juggernaut hits. 
So I then focused on those movies and I organized them into their series, episode one, two, three, four, five. Is it a sequel? Is it a spinoff? Is it a prequel? Is it a remake? And tagged it with all of that information and, of course, the box office performance and their genre. And so my weekly process is to, when I see the movies coming for the, the next weekend, I start looking at averages and patterns of that genre and these sequels. And here's what happens with this kind of a remake. And here's what this filmmaker has been doing. And here's his pattern. Are these movies growing? Are they falling apart? And I can quickly run all these numbers. It's it's my thing. I love it. It's what I do. <laughs> and I look for <laughs> I I look for what I think is the governing, you know, influence and principle mm -hmm. of the movie that's coming up that weekend. And here's what I think the pattern is, and here's how it fits into this pattern. So I work with all that and then I turn it into what you mentioned, this franchise re-newsletter, yeah. and write some bullet points because I've been an executive and people would like to get the point across in 30 seconds of reading, not, you know, 15 minutes. And so I present all that and that's what my readers get and that's what they, they take and hopefully enjoy. Yeah, those, uh, and thank you. Uh, those bullet points, really, they, they are sharp, they're condensed, and you get the whole sense of each new release. So let me turn to, in, in your experience doing a franchise re, what lessons have you learned? I've learned that we all look at these patterns, and I think that there is endless value in them. But I want to say, after my decades of experience in the business, that I think every movie is designed to break the rules. I mean, that's what they want to do to outperform everything else. That is what they are designed to do. Everybody wants to break the mold mm -hmm. and overperform, and some do. You know, everybody wants to say that they saw Barbie coming a mile away. That's kind of a common thing in any business, in Wall Street, in any high risk situation in Las Vegas, you want to say, oh, I, you know, sports betting. Oh, I knew that, you know, that was coming. But they didn't. Barbie broke the mold. I mean, six weeks before that movie came out, the talk was, gosh, I think that movie can open to $50 million, you know, and everyone's scratching their head. Hmm. Okay, maybe, maybe not. And then the week before, the numbers were heating up and people were saying, mm, I think it can make $75 million. Well, it made $162 million, okay? It blew everybody out of the water. That is the magic of Hollywood, and that is the magic of movies. That movie hit every note perfectly. It resonated with the time, you know, and last year was the year of women performers. It, everything hit it, and it happened. So what do I look for? I look for the patterns. I look for the averages, and then I say, can this bust out? Can this break all of those rules? That's what the producers and the studios want to do every time. Right. That's what they're trying to do. Right. So now let me put you on the spot and ask, uh, what are your predictions for the box office? Uh, what do you think is coming down uh, the pike in the next few years? Well, I think that 2024 is not going to be any easier than last year. It's just we're not there yet, and we have long-term effects and impact from what we talked about, the pandemic and the strikes. These movies, these studio movies, most of them take 
18 to 24 months to put together, to produce, to release. So, you know, all this happened a year ago, a year and a half, two, three years ago. And so the release schedule is thin. There's just no question. It will firm up and it will fill up over time, but we'll have a difficult first quarter and probably first half. Things will settle. The release schedule, which I looked at for 2024, is very, very solid. The X factor, really, that will make the difference and that will determine the comparison with, say, last year, are the original films. I mean, Barbie Oppenheimer, Sound of Freedom, Taylor Swift, those movies made the year last year. Right. It was not it was not the big sequel series. It was not Marvel. It was not superheroes. It was not DC Comics. Animation had a very nice year, and animation will have another nice year this year. So overall, this is not going to be any easier. Uh, 2025 should gain traction and should see growth. But it's really about the X factor. It's really, are we going to have any original stories that really hit? Because we're talking about a couple billion dollars between those original movies last summer. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of money. And that's what's going to determine whether this year stays close, overperforms, or falls short of. Those are very difficult movies to produce. So anyway, yes. Well, that's really a terrific overview of what we're expecting. And I guess we also put horror movies in that mix for the fans in the darkened theaters. Let's thank David A. Gross for being our guest, creator of Franchise Re. Thanks, David, for being with us on the Movie Business Podcast. Thank you. You got it, Jason.